Smartcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of presenting Jen Moore to the show today. Former emotional hot mess and world-class awfulizer, Jen supports other highly sensitive, intuitive women to release empathic overwhelm and distress so that they can access their inner wisdom and power. Jen brings over 30 years of experience to her work, where she merges practicality, intuition, and skill to offer insight, guidance, and emotional freedom to those she serves. Jen holds a master's degree in psychology and religion, is an accredited master trainer for EFP International, founder of the Empathic Mastery Academy, author of Amazon bestselling Empathic Mastery, host of the Empathic Mastery Show, and is the creator of two Oracle decks and the Photogenic Healing Tarot. To learn more about Jen and her work, please visit her website at empathicmastery.com. It's a great pleasure. I welcome Jen to the show. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thank you so much, Jason. I am so excited to be here. (laughs) You and I certainly have been through, like, just to get here has been quite a journey. So I'm really thrilled that we are, that this divine appointment is happening. And I just got to say, like, the universe said, I don't know about you, but I'm just realizing like the universe absolutely set it up. <laughs> like it could not be a more perfect day for us to have this conversation. We're on the yeah. moon, lunar yeah. eclipse. Could we have possibly have chosen a better day for this? No. I so, think I agree with you. And I believe in synchronicity so heavily. And I yeah. feel like our paths have aligned for a reason. And as you know, I took a slight hiatus from recording episodes because of life sometimes intercedes. Yeah. I believe like you could see if those of you who aren't watching this on video right now and it's an audio, but I happen to have this t-shirt on that says science is real, black lives matter, no human is illegal, love is love, women's rights are human rights, and kindness is everything. And that's something that we need more of right now, in my opinion. And you had commented on the shirt before I even started recording, but I wanted to bring it into this because of where we are right now and the historical precedence of the decision that's about to occur in our country. One of the things that I've been talking about and really thinking from the empathic standpoint is that as a country, we have reached a place where we are so divided and we are so divisive. And I was talking with, thing is, sometimes I'm just really amazed at, I have one perspective, you and I seem to have a very similar perspective. And then I start, I talk to somebody and I realize they have a very different perspective. It feels to me like no matter how you slice it, there are going to be people who are scared. There are going to be people who are disappointed. There are going to be people who are making up a lot of stories in their head about what this means and what is happening. No matter how you slice it, there are going to be people who are going to be absolutely convinced that we're going to hell in a handbasket. I know from myself that a really big piece of what I've been working with with this is reminding myself like to get out of my head and into my heart and to get out of fear and into love. I love that. that. Yeah. That's pivotal though. Think about it. We have to 
flip the script on this stuff. We've got to change the messaging of it. And you raise a good point. You're talking about people being disappointed from the outcome of the election. We've never unified ourselves the last two years because certain people are irresponsible and can't concede elections and instead try to attack the entire system rather than admit that they're a loser. You're a loser. Admit it. It's over. That's yeah. how I feel. I wanted to say that since November of 2020. But now as a country, we're dealing with this division and it's time that we unify. It is so important. It is so incredibly important. And what and the thing is that I think it does mean beholding the humanity in each person and finding ways to approach even disagreement with curiosity instead of assumption. And I had an experience earlier this week that was a really powerful lesson in realizing that sometimes it's helpful to start with definitions because I was talking with this woman and she made what I considered a blanket state. I pushed back and I said, this is not my personal experience with this. It was regarding empaths and trauma. Because there are people who seem to have the belief that empaths are basically always like an empath is an empath because they've been through trauma. That's and especially like on TikTok, you can find a fair bit of like sort of psychological experts who are talking about like empaths as a result of trauma. And I was saying to my husband the other day, I'm like, that would be like saying psychics are psychics because of trauma. No, it's a paranormal ability. And some of us have it and some of us don't. And my joke or my comment back was, if trauma was the thing that made empaths, then every single person on the planet would be a freaking empath because everybody's experienced trauma. But what was fascinating was that the conversation led me to realize or led us to realize that we needed to get clear about what our definitions were. Like, what did this person mean about trauma? What did I mean about trauma? What do I mean about empath? What do they mean about empath? And I realized like a lot of times we enter into the conversation, assuming that you and I are on the same page and believe the exact same thing when maybe we don't. And that it's like, in order to dial back, it's like, I find for myself If I can cultivate kindness and I can cultivate curiosity, I can have a much more interesting conversation than if I go in rigid. I agree with you. I'll say this from my vantage point. We've been going through this since 2015, right? I don't know if you have these moments. I have people I grew up with from New Jersey or I'll have college friends or law school friends, all different avenues of my life, spiritual people. And I'll hang out with them and I think I know them. And then they'll bring up some type of conspiracy theory. And I feel like it's invasion of the body snatchers. And I don't know what to do. I don't know if I run away or if I laugh and smile at these comments and these conspiracy theories, but they're toxic and they're disgusting and like stuff about COVID or stuff about different groups of people or tropes or racism. I have such distaste for all that. And I want to ask you about how do you deal with your invasion of the body snatchers moment where, you know, snatchers moment where you're sitting there and you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden they just bring up something that makes you realize that they're not on the same page and you want to respect differences of opinion. But when it comes to an opinion that's devoid of facts or truth or logic, it becomes like space lasers from outer space causing forest fires. Yes. What the hell do you do with this? And I just totally, I love your description of it, like feeling like it's invasion of the body snatchers, because I totally hear you. I've had a couple situations and I was saying this to you about even within the podcasting world, there've been a couple of times where I've either been a guest on somebody's podcast, or I've had somebody as a guest on my podcast where we're talking and everything is really jibing. And then they say something and I'm just in the back of my head, I'm like, Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> really? And I find, I guess what I would say is that I personally have a tendency to listen. If somebody is saying something, again, I really try to approach with curiosity and I really try to listen to the story, but also I really try to make the assumption or come to it with the willingness to have my own mind changed. And I want to talk about when I was in seminary, I have a master's degree in psychology and religion. And my favorite teacher 
who who eventually became my advisor. Just this man is amazing. His name is Jerry Hanspicker, and he was a conflict resolution specialist who was a UC minister who like reveled in going into the most divisive, messy of situations and approaching things with enthusiasm and curiosity to get people to engage with each other. He's been he's on the other side now and love you, Jerry. So good. But the thing that Jerry, I, the first, one of the very first classes I took when I was in seminary was on communication. And he had us reading a book that was not the actual text by Martin Buber about the Ishtu, I, thou relationship, but it was a book about Martin Buber's book. And it was talking about the idea of communication. The fundamental premise is that if we enter into any kind of a conversation rigidly, without the willingness to have our mind changed, then we are stuck in this egoic, like your ego and my ego are talking to each other. We have to be willing to be vulnerable to have our mind changed, even if we believe that what we know is true and what they know is complete who. We need to be willing to enter into the conversation from a place of beholding the divine in them and being willing to let them inform new information for us. And that is in a culture that is so invested in ego and in, in there's invested in being right, that is really threatening. And but the idea is within the German original, there's ich du, I thou. Or in French, it would be je tu. And if you're familiar with French, you have two forms of you. There's two, which is like you, like I behold the divine in you. I'm like you, your heart, your sweetness, like it's the intimate you versus vous, which is like the formal you. And in English, it's like we don't really have a distinction between I, you, and I, you. We only have like that. But the idea is, if we enter into any conversation, how do we enter into the conversation from the place of je tu or ish du, as opposed to the conversation of both of us are wearing our big foo-foo hats. Both of us are like convinced that we know the truth and the other person is misguided and misunder and misinformed. And here we go. So I guess I would say for me, I really try to come into it with a pl- from a place of curiosity and also from a place of, are you willing to have your mind changed? Are you willing to listen to me? And if I come up against just wall upon wall, and it feels like it's a very one-sided conversation, I will probably be like, okay, that's what it is. And depending on who the person is, if they are somebody that I don't know very well, I will pretty much write it off as Nama Circus, not my monkeys. Not necessarily my job to try to convince you, not necessarily my job to change your perspective. I'm much more likely to ask curious questions that hopefully will create a chink in the armor as opposed to saying anything that is going to cause defensiveness. Because I do believe that human beings, we absolutely implode with shame. And we implode around judgment. And that if we start confronting somebody in a way that causes them to spiral into shame, we've lost it. We've lost them. They're going to double down on their belief system. And so for me, like being able to approach it with fascination, with curiosity, with interest. But I also try to remember or have my husband's perspective. He's got some great boundaries. And so there are times where he's just F them not your and just really coming back to that idea of this is not my job to convince this person and uh, the other thing for me is making the decision of for example we got the holidays coming up so we're going to be doing family gatherings and uh, in my family we are primarily very liberal i grew up with i i grew up sitting on the floor of i was a toddler sitting in the in league of women voters meetings when wow. i was literally 2 or okay. at 2 3 4 years old my mom was taking me to these meetings and my father was he was like a campaign manager for many local politicians he was a town meeting member most of for a many years until I think he hit retirement. But like my father, my parents were very involved in local politics, especially my dad. 
And so I come from a fairly politically active and fairly interested family that's interested in these things. But within my family, there are a couple odd ducks and we have a couple very conservative people, but we also have a couple, there's some in-laws in the extended family who are rabble rousers and who like to stir the pot at like dinner parties where they go, what did everybody think of the election? (laughs) And it's just, you're freaking kidding me. You gotta be rules with that stuff. You can't just allow a free for all and allow people. Like, I have college friends that I'm still close with. And by the way, I love you sharing your background with the politics and just your educational history of psychology and religion. I did mm-hmm. psychology side myself, ironically, in college as a double major. So this stuff's right up my alley. Yeah. I'll say this from my vantage point, I wish that the people I'm close with would have their own aha moment. Hey, you don't have to be hostile towards me because I have different viewpoints than you. You don't have to own me as your as a lip. You can you should be able to have understanding, love, and kindness to accept differences of opinion. It's not necessary for you to be vitriolic and be vehement about wanting to make me the other person, the enemy, the person you don't we're not us versus them. And I think sometimes just really humor can dispel if we're at a family gathering and just be like, wow, side of political divisiveness with my turkey here. <laughs> but even being able to say, you guys, it's a pot, it's the holidays. Can we just not talk about this? Can we not go into it? This is a time for gathering. This is a time for family connection. This is a time for love. Do we have to have this conversation right now? And sometimes just to set a boundary and say, no, let's not have this conversation. I also think that when we come up against people who are being judgmental and are being really like looking at you as a lib, yeah, we won't add the second half of those words. (laughs) the second ad the second syllable to that when we have that kind of thing like having the courage to be vulnerable and to restore to come back to the place of just being like just like that really hurts i wish you could see me for who i am i wish you weren't just looking at me like i'm really trying i'm really trying to see you as a human being and know that like your political choices or the way you think I'm open to the I am open to the possibility that you understand things that I don't understand that your perspective is different than my perspective is that you've seen things that I don't haven't seen. Like for example, I was having a conversation with somebody who was working as a covid nurse for a number of years and who was working in the covid testing things and after we had she was just sharing some things with me about the way data was being collected that was really like a oh Fuck. It was just, I hope it's okay to use the hey, drop the F-bomb here. But it, <laughs> it was one of those moments where I was like, I know that this is a person who's been in the thick of it and is seeing things and was basically saying, I am like she's she was like, I am not a conspiracy theorist. I'm a very skeptical, I'm a very critical thinking person. I'm scientifically oriented. I had this experience. I found that data was getting crunched before the tests were being handed in. I will just say that, like, I'm open to the possibility that in the same way that, like, we believe that the conservative world and the MAGA hat wearing people are being fed a whole bunch of propaganda and bullshit, and they believe we're being fed a whole bunch of propaganda and bullshit, I'm open to the possibility that maybe there's a little bit of truth coming, like that that maybe it's not quite so clear. And a couple right around that 2015 pivot. And I actually personally believe that I feel like we actually stepped into an alternate reality seven years ago. (laughs) That we did, we went from being in what there's a book called The Fifth Sacred Thing by Starhawk that I absolutely love that is this sort of futuristic story about kind of the divisiveness between kind of the liberals and magical liberals and conservative earth-consuming Republicans <laughs> and the body snatched. And within that book, there is, I'm just trying, like I was starting, there is this concept called 
the idea of the two worlds. There's El Mundo Mal or El Mundo Malo and El Mundo, actually it's El Mundo Mal and El Mundo Bueno. And that there is a thin skim of, it's like a like milk when you've heated up milk. There's just like this membrane between the two worlds. And there are times where we are perilously close to the edge of those two worlds. And it feels to me like something shifted where we went from coasting along and finding our way. And certainly if you were in the world, if you were a person of color, if you were a trans person, if you were somebody who has no resources or money, then you might say we've been in El Monomal for a really long time. But I think more and more of us have become perilously aware of that membrane and how close we can be to slipping into this other side. I really think that all of this is like an infection that is rising to the surface to be addressed and healed, that is asking to be shifted, that these are five, like we're talking 5,000 years of empire and patriarchy and trauma that's been a can kicked down the road that we're getting to the point now where we are, it's like, it's the chickens have come home to roost. We must do something about it. But I do feel like something around, like you said, 2015, Mm -hmm. things just started to heat up. Like the, like, it's almost like the labor contractions started on this planet for all of us. And think about it this way. Everything you just said, that's like a lot to unpackage, but I love it because I grew up in the 80s and 90s as a child and into college in the 90s. And I remember I'm Gen X, so you might be Gen X. I'm actually, I'm a tail end boomer, amazingly. So I'm a Jones. If they, they're now starting to discern us as the Joneses because we're, I never felt like a boomer. I felt like I was following a basketball in a snake. Resources were limited. The boomers had consumed, like they had all the jobs, they had all these things. And I always felt like I was following after the boomers. But we, so I'm technically, I'm like, I was born in the very, I was born in the early 60s. I'm technically okay. a boomer, but I would consider myself a Joneser as opposed to. I'll say yeah. I'm a Gen X. I was born in 75. And I could say from my vantage point, I remember growing up in the 80s when it was Reagan economics and all that stuff. Oh, I totally, I was a young adult during Reaganomics. All right. Yeah. So I remember this as a child with an interest in government. I remember learning, oh, the civil rights movement cured our racial divisions of the 60s. Martin Luther King was an American hero. And you'll never see this racism that you saw from like the 1950s, Brown versus the Board of Education and Alabama and all these horrible things that happened during the civil rights movement, right? Yeah. I never in a million years would have thought that we would see the shifts in our country in the wrong direction that we would have these type of things that I'd have to wear a t-shirt that to me makes common sense and doesn't have to be announced by putting it on a shirt. And from my vantage point, it's hard to think that everything that happened 50 years ago, including Roe v. Wade now, is going to be reversed where you could take rights away from groups of people and make them feel less significant or disenfranchise them. The last time I saw something like that was in the 1930s in Nazi Germany. And Mm -hmm. I think we're going to, I'm not saying that's where we're headed exactly, but I think it's a slippery slope to think that we have celebrities who are irresponsibly talking with anti-Semitic tropes. We had one in the NBA, we have Kanye West, we have all these things of Twitter, Elon Musk. It's almost like it's a grand conspiracy in the negative. Yet from my vantage point, I still believe, because I'm like, you're, we're both very in tune spiritually. Mm -hmm. I have premonitions that we're going to get the right to abortion back. We're going to have uh, the 2030s, I believe, are going to be a period like the 60s, but more liberal than we even saw that. I think you're going to have a pendulum that goes back and forth. And right now we're on the precipice of Trumpism and DeSantis and all these things, right? But in the future, I believe in 10 years, I had a premonition last November when I went for a walk and the premonition was of a future news program. And it was like 2030 and it was like 2029, the decade of the 20s in reverse, Let's go back and see. And I got a chance to get a glimpse of the unrest that we're in now, the uncertainty. And I saw that I couldn't tell what 2024 looks like yet, but I'll say that the uncertainty of everything that we're going through right now, I feel pretty confident that in eight years from now, we'll iron out most of these problems. And I feel by 2040, guess what, guys? We're a multicultural society. Whites are not going to be the majority. No. 
And we need to accept that. And everyone needs to accept that. Like, you know, Michael Moore, a number of years ago, Michael Moore, I listened to this interview with Michael Moore a number of years ago that really inspired me that and where he was, it was right after I think he had written a book called Angry White Men. And he was basically talking about how we are dealing with the death of a way of life and they're kicking and screaming. They're not going to go out without a fight. But the reality is that more and more people are like, we look at the new generation. We've got all these kids who are gender fluid. We've got all these trans people. We've got all of these people who are biracial. And we've got all of these people who like think it's utterly absurd that you would control who gets to marry who, who gets to love who, all of this. And the thing is like, this is the direction that everything is moving in. And it's like momentum is stronger than greed and ego. And love is stronger than anything. Love is stronger than death. Love is stronger than greed and ego. And my guides, I channeled a book this summer in July that is now in the capable hands of my content editor who goes back in and she massages it so that I can go back and and write into it again. But it was a channeled book from my council. And I work with a council of spirit of beings that from like a galact like they they go from like metatron galactic like awareness to like earth there's just like all kinds of different aspects of to them but they were explaining like we are breaking out of for one thing we're breaking out of a five thousand year lie that is that we are separated that we are disconnected that we are not all one and that we are individual egos and so we're breaking out of that but the other thing we're breaking out of is binary awareness this black white him her Mm -hmm. good bad all of these things that we've been so do you know we've been caught in this duality and so as you were saying it's like the pendulum has been swinging back and forth it's it to me it feels like we are at the point of collapsing the binary and collapsing the pendulum and really birthing the new earth but anybody who has gone through a pregnancy or has been in the room or i'm not pregnant but a birth or has been in the room during a birth knows how messy it is it is painful. It is, there's a lot of poop. <laughs> there's, it's a mess. Yeah. And we have this, I think that there's this way that we have this kind of like idea of the heralding of the new earth as being nothing but wonderful, but we have to breathe through the labor contractions to get to that point. That's such a valid point for me that you raise it that way, because I agree with you. I love your take on things. Like as you're talking I couldn't say it more succinctly, but more eloquently at the same time. Oh, thank you so much. I firmly believe that. And I give your parents credit for being political organizers in the local community where you grew up. That's where you have the most impact with government. Exactly. When there was a, my mother, when I was a very little girl, she was a psychiatric nurse. And then she took, because we're talking, I was born in the early 60s and my sibling, my brother and sister were both also born in the 60s. Good um, <laughs> you were, I always wanted to live in the 60s. Yeah. I, yeah. I was a little mom. too young though to appreciate it because I was born in, I was born like, I was pretty much like a 1963 baby. So like when Woodstock and all those things happened, I was too young to know. My mother started as a psychiatric nurse, but my mother then, when my brother was probably, I don't know, somewhere around the ages of five or six years old, my mother went back to work, but she started working in family planning. So I grew up with a pro-life, sorry, pro-choice. Good Lord. (laughs) I grew up with a pro-choice, very, like my mother was working in Massachusetts before Roe versus Wade had been passed. My mother had been working in Massachusetts when you when abortion was still illegal, and she was helping women to find ways to get from to get to basically get transportation and money and resources so that they could terminate a pregnancy safely in another state. So I grew up my one of my very first political shirts was from Narrow. I was 18 years old and my mom, I registered to vote the day my birthday's Christmas day. So on boxing day, I went to the town hall and registered to vote. And 
one of the very first shirts that I ever had political shirts I had was this lemon yellow with green with blue bright blue ink with the statue of liberty on it and the words narrow like i think on the bottom with i'm pro choice and i vote on the top and that for me just feels like i grew up i was so lucky to have parents who really knew where they stood really believed strongly in things but also advocated for what they believed and what they hoped could be possible you know what? Interestingly, you say that, and one of the things I'm looking at while we're while we're discussing all this is ways that we can de-escalate the discourse, preventing violence. These things that have happened out there, the glorification of violence by one side against another is terrifying, and yeah. we need to take steps. Look at all the assassinations that happened in the '60s. We need to take steps to de-escalate this thing. But how do you do that with a group of people that don't want to do that? And everything. I actually, going back to the empath conversation, because that's my thing, I really believe that one of the reasons why so many people are waking up to their empathic sensitivity, why so many more people are picking up the thoughts, feelings, energy, and sensations from the world around them right now is because we cannot continue to ignore and deny the pain that we are causing as a species to other species on the planet and to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that only when we own our feelings and only when we own the part of us that feels shame, the part of us that feels pain for our lack of kindness, for the bad choices that we make, are we going to actually, as a species, make different decisions? Are we going to be able to say no mas? And the thing is, we've been living in this kind of agri- like agricultural, capitalistic empire. I am a part of a spiritual community that refers to the world we're living in as empire. But where it's all about profit first, it's all about it's just business. And just even thinking about the number of times that like I actually, I was interviewing wonderful woman the other day, beautiful woman who got evicted from her home because not because they'd done anything wrong or they were late on payments or anything, but because the landlord was selling the house and wanted to get them out. And instead of even negotiating realistically or being like, hey, would you like first option, first refusal? Would you like to buy the house? Or can we navigate it? They basically just pulled some strings and set it up so this person was getting evicted and or this family was getting evicted. And and the reaction or the feedback is it's nothing personal. It's just business. And it's like we have to break ourselves of the idea that nothing is personal and it's just business. It's if another being is in pain because of choices we've made, we need to be willing to sit with that. And I guess what I would say is to go back to the violence and to go back to, we cannot look away. Like we have to be willing to see it for what it is. And we need to grieve. We need to feel the pain. We cannot spiritually bypass. We cannot just be like, I'm in my little bubble and I'm all good. Therefore, this isn't affecting me and I don't need to worry about it. As empaths, we don't want to spiral out with it because that is a problem when we spiral out. But at the same time, I think that the power we have is in grieving. The power we have is being true to the emotions we feel and being authentic with our feelings. And it's almost, if we don't deny, it's it gets harder and harder for people's behavior or for people to keep ignoring the consequences of their behavior when we don't dismiss it and when we don't invalidate it, when we sit with our, we are true, sincere, and authentic with our own feelings. That's what I believe we can do is be sincere you know, and I be love, real. I love you said there's a power in grieving because I believe that our emotional well-being and, and the way that we go about healing from that, that you have to recognize and sit in your emotions for a while in order to heal and get past the pain. Yeah. Um, one thing I'll add to what you're saying is we've got to have accountability. We have to have accountability. When people and, violate you know, the law, when people act improperly, they got to be held accountable and starting at the top. And what I believe is that we are looking at the impact of multi-generational, like 
thousands of years of patriarchy and trauma and brainwashing, gaslighting, and kind of Stockholm syndrome. And that what has happened is that we have people who can see things are wrong, but they're so intimidated and they're so terrified to speak up that they are going to just acquiesce and go along. And there are many of us, I mean, in the case of women, for example, we only have had the right to vote for for 100 years now. We've only had the right to have abortions in the United States. Although interestingly, that was not even that was not even a thing until it became a thing. Like women terminated pregnancies, worked with midwives and herbalists, like in general, like this whole idea of terminating pregnancy being evil and sinful is a very modern construct to my understanding from what I've read, from what I've seen. And I'm by no means am I an expert in this. Take it, take the, do your own research, take your, take it with a grain of salt. Just thinking about like there for, so for example, there are many of us who have, who can easily access without having to go back very far at all, the need to fawn, the need to people, please, the need to acquiesce in order to stay safe. And if we start thinking about like just the level of trauma that we have endured and Recently, I've been really grooving on this idea. So when we are in utero, we do not have a functioning nervous system. And so what we have to do is co-regulate to our mother's nervous system when we're in utero. But the thing is, we're a captive audience to our mother's thoughts, to our mother's feelings, to our mother's energy, to our mother's emotional distress. And we basically like cook inside of this. And I think of the nine months that we're in utero and then the three months post, like kind of the four, what's called the fourth trimester. This is a period where we're getting like the operating manual for functioning as a human being. We're getting all the information. We're getting what does it be, what is it like to be in in resonance? What is it like to be in flow? What is it like to be in a state of relaxation and grace? But when you're talking about the amount of domestic violence, the amount of misogyny, the amount of abuse that every single woman has experienced to some extent or another going down her line, that means that every single one of us who is carried in a woman's body is carrying the memories of all of this trauma and all of this terror and all of these experiences of power over and the coping mechanism of acquiescing, of people-pleasing, of just trying like, to just ignore it and act like it's not going on. Interesting you say that because it, it goes so deep. It goes so it goes deep. So, it goes deep to the sense of one heart and one mind at a time. Yeah. I feel yes. that. I think that for society to transform and grow, it's going to take one heart and one mind at a time. And it's going to take the conversations on the micro level as well as the macro level. And it's going to take a while, but I think we're going to get through it. And, I'll bring up one point. I'll say my prime initial I was talking about Yeah. last November. It was ironic because it was way before Roe v. Wade got overturned, but it was already being whispered about in the news. Mm-hmm. And I'm not for a walk. And I had that premonition with the flashback of the 10 years ahead of time. Then I had another premonition at it's close in time that I was walking. And all of a sudden I had an image, like a flash. You get these two, I'm sure premonitions, all these women in baby carriages marching on DC, marching on all these areas. And it hasn't happened yet. If the type of thing that I'm seeing that I foresee is a massive that we've never seen before with women coming together. It's gonna happen sometime this decade. That's my prediction. But when I saw this, I knew that there was no way anyone would stand in that group's way, or there's no way that legislators or elected officials will make comments at a debate and say, you need to go to your local elected officials to make a decision as to whether or not to abort or not. Yeah. So we're going to have a paradigm shift. And by 2040, we'll be a multicultural society. And I feel very strongly where there's nothing going to be perfect. And I really do think we're going to have some type of a comeuppance, some type of a, a reconciliation with each other, but also with these larger issues that we started in 2020 with George Floyd, for example, or the women's movement. I still believe an ERA amendment is very feasible. I don't see why we can't enshrine enshrine in the constitution that women are equal to us, 
that. It's absurd. Why it's absurd. Is that what are we, 51% of the population? We're the majority. And well, yet we have this, and we have this incredibly small minority of people who are trying to say that anybody who is not cisgendered, white, male, and privileged and wealthy and heterosexual is not worthy. Like it's absurd. And I think that's the other thing. It's we are being invited to claim our sovereignty. We are being invited to claim our immortality. (laughs) You just need to take it. We need to take it back. And I will also say that while I am not by any means a fan of violence and of causing harm to the planet or to human beings. The other thing that I think sometimes we have to get back to is the awareness that we are. I was interviewing somebody the other day who has been through a near death experience and she terms it as we're deathless, that there is more than just this body. And that even if we perish in this body, that there is something beyond that and trusting that love is stronger than death and righteousness is more important sometimes than staying safe, but staying small. And it takes courage, but it also takes the willingness to do our work and calm our nervous systems down because When we are hijacked by our fear, when we are hijacked by our wounds, our trauma, our karma of previous lives, memories, like if you have the witch wound like I do, I've been burned at the stake multiple times. I came in with an incredible amount of fear that I had to address and clear. When we have that kind of stuff, it makes it incredibly hard to respond instead of react. And so I see it for me, it always comes back to deal with the trauma. Like I believe it's like my job is to deal with my trauma and my little corner of my ancestral lines trauma and work on shifting and clearing that so that I can make decisions not based on, oh my God, I'm going to be crushed by, like, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be annihilated. And one of the things that personally has been very helpful is doing like going back into the Akashic records, going back into the past lives, going back into the memories, coming up to the moment of death, transitioning through that moment of death and realizing, wait a second, I'm still here. If I can remember that other life, I survived that other life. And there's that meme. I don't know if you've probably seen it that goes around that basically says, we're the daughters of the witches that you didn't burn. My answer is, we're the witches you burned and we remember. (laughs) No, we came back. We're still here. You can't destroy us. You can, we're like a a whack-a-mole or one of those bubbles in contact paper. You can push it around, but it's not going away. And we do, I do believe wholeheartedly in the, that we are immortal souls. And the sooner we get that, I think the, more capable we are going to be of not doing dumb stuff anymore. Or Will Wheaton, I love Will Wheaton's lot. One of Will Wheaton's mottos, don't be a dick. <laughs> like as a species, we really need to get this figured out. I want to say this. When I protested and marched in 2020, I kept getting from my spirit guides, be on the right side of history, be on the right side of history. You need Be on to- the right side of history. Yeah. And I get that over and over. And then even looking at everything we're talking about today, I am very satisfied seeing that society is really recognizing things. There's scary parts of our world that we're dealing with, right? But there's a glimmer, there's a glimpse. And for whatever reason, I feel peaceful about it. I feel calm. Mm -hmm. If something happened in the future that required me to stand up and put my life on the line to protect our country, I'd do that. I've never fought anybody. I've never picked up a gun. But if our government was threatened and our individual rights and liberties were threatened, I would do what I need to do to be with everyone that needs to be doing what's necessary. That's all I'll say. I love the fact that you and I could dedicate this interview today talking about these issues, because from my vantage point, there is such an interconnectedness between spirituality and the issues we're talking about. Because just like you said, the synchronicity, I tell people all the time. 
that we're our physical bodies, but we're spiritual beings inhabiting our physical bodies. Yes. That is the umbilical cord that connects us to the other side. Love does transcend death. Love is a unifying force. And when we go to the other side, we ascend. We don't die. We don't cease to exist. I tell people, if you want to go talk to your relatives, go to the mirror in your living room. Go in the bathroom. Talk to your relatives. Go talk anywhere you want. Talk yeah. to them right now. But if yeah. you go to a cemetery, it's like going to the junkyard for your first car from high school. Mm-hmm. You can go and sit there and stare at a tombstone, but the spirit that you're talking to is with you all the time. With it's you with all you. the time. Wi-Fi. Yeah. 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 And what's so sad is sometimes... And this goes back to grief. If we don't let ourselves grieve, it's much harder to connect with our loved ones who are on the other side. Grief, resisted grief complicates communication. And the irony is if you want to be able to connect with your loved ones, let yourself feel the grief. Uh, You know what? (laughs) I have to tell you this. One of the things I come up with recently, you're telling me exactly, you're mirroring back to me what I've learned recently, which is I tell people, when people say, I can't meditate, or I can't connect with my deceased loved one. I don't know why. I'll say, have you ever tried going stargazing in New York City in the middle of the night and all the light pollution you deal with? I grew up five miles outside New York City, so that's my mm-hmm. point. And I tell people, I've gone scar- stargazing many years, but unfortunately, I didn't really go stargazing until I was out in the countryside. And I saw what the cosmos really looks like in its natural format. And it is beautiful. Words can't even describe it to convey it. I tell any one of you, unless you live in the country and you know what I'm talking about already. And if you live in a city, try to get out there and do so. Because the reason I tie this all together, if you want to become more in tune with your loved ones and you want to be more meditative and mindful and all these things in touch with your higher self, I believe you got to clear the clutter. Got to clear the clutter. Well, throughout the mind, make light pollution. What it's so fascinating thinking about the idea of Light pollution has really contributed to our inability to see our place in the grand scheme of things. Because when you look up to the sky and all is like the moon and maybe Venus and a couple other stars, and that's all that's there, your perspective of how you fit into the universe is distorted. And you think of yourself as being significantly taking up like you, it's like being a big fish in a small pond. We are infinitesimally in the grand scheme of things. We're ants. And in a we're ant, we're not even ants. We're like (laughs) we're beneath, we're like one neutron. We're like the space between something and an atom. We are so tiny. And I think that even the idea of the sky, that it's like we are so, as human beings, we have been robbed for, I keep hearing, they keep telling me it's 5,000 years with the onset of agriculture. And there was this comet, Neowise, that came through about two years ago in the fall of 2020. The last time it had been here was at the onset of agriculture. And it's like we as a species are have like been in this learning process of separating ourselves from everything and individuating and developing ego in order to engage with the lie that now we are breaking away from and we are coming back to the awareness of our interconnection, but simultaneously our autonomy and our sovereignty. and. But it's just, it's just, there's so much possibility. And I love, I just love the vision that you have for where we're going, because I I think it's so important to hold on to that. Between you and I, I believe my spirit guides, just like your spirit guides, whatever it is we're connected to that give us these downloads, as you call it, right? Yeah. They happen for a reason. And at first I I used to dismiss them like when I was younger. Oh, what is this? I'm going to ignore this. And now I realize that what a lot of what we do in our worlds is offer reassurance, clarity to people and give people an opportunity to really see things from a different point of view where they don't get overwhelmed, distressed. Look, fear, peddling fear is not the way we need to handle this. Peddling fear is not the answer. What we have to do is look at it responsibly, have accountability, pursue our paths in such cl- in such a clear and concise way that we can measure up in the, t- the, the test of history. We're going to be successful with this. I know we're not going to fail our children and grandchildren and their posterity. I know women are going to be protected in the future. Minorities are going to become the majority. Yeah. And as a society, the whiny older generations, 
that want to maintain it and hold on to the power, it's going to go and it's going to flow. The universe well, and it's also this idea of holding on to the power is based on the lie that there is not enough to go around and is based on the lie that like the universe and abundance and financial wealth is pie and that there's only so many slices that we can possibly share. If somebody understands the true nature of the universe and understands the magnitude of what there is and like the na- the the universe is progenitive, the universe is procreative. The universe wants to constantly create and expand and offer more. Like the, the universe delights in being and in becoming and becoming more and more. And yet we have this ridiculous illusion that there's only so much to go around. And it's God bless every single and Something that I started touching on, and then in, there's a really beautiful book called My Grandmother's Hands by Resma Manakim or Manakim, who is who writes about the idea that basically unmitigated, unresolved trauma kicked down for generations creates dissociation from our bodies and from truth. And causes us to be in a place where we can do, we can commit atrocities to other people. And the thing is, any of us with European ancestry, we are the children or the great, we are the descendants of an entire culture that annihilated women and children in the name of Christianity and bringing empire into the world. And the thing is, we experienced a level of genocide and a level of trauma that we still carry in our body to this day. Women, mostly women, but men as well, and anybody, but people with memories, especially if you've been female in other lives or you were charged as being a heretic, so many of us carry the witch wound. We carry the, the, the pain and the fear of being a heretic. But we also carry all of the trauma that as Europeans, we endured or we experienced and we experienced and we've just been kicking it forward and kicking it forward and kicking it forward. And it's caused us to live in these lies, in this idea that there isn't enough to go around, in this idea that like people with different color skin are somehow not us or not connected to us. But it's if we really go back, At the very core of it, it comes back to grief. It comes back to, and it comes back to really like sitting with the magnitude of what was done to our people and to our ancestors. Like we lost our earth-centered traditions. We lost our indigenous traditions. We lost our connection to our ancestors, all in the name of basically capitalism, patriarchy, and empire. And when we go back there and we really start to retrieve our heritage, our legacies, and retrieve our own inner magic, miracles can happen. They will. They will happen. They're happening already and they will happen. They are. I want to say this. We're running low on time and I hate yeah. to say that to you because I can't believe a power an hour has passed already. I, I know. Say, it. This was such a powerful topic and conversation. And we... I have to have you back on again. I would love to come back on again. I would yeah, love to, you and I, I this is a divine appointment <laughs> for sure. And I was not planning, like, I will just say there's one other podcast I've been on with somebody that you absolutely have to meet. I'm going to hook you guys up because he's also that. psychic and in law. Okay. Uh, wow. And just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. His name's Jesse Veritas and he's got a podcast called Utterly Unscripted. And I you and Jesse need to connect. Awesome. We have very similar yeah. backgrounds. With Extremely life, similar. Right? You and Jesse need to connect. But okay. you and Jesse are the only two people that yeah. I have, that I've had a conversation like where I'm like, yeah, I've just let it rip. And I've been really political because uh-huh. in general, because I do find it to be so divisive, I tend to try not to necessarily speak in po- in ways that could be polarizing when I really want to create harmony. But so this conversation was hey. like the universe is like let it rip, honey. <laughs> Speak the truth through here. You gotta yeah. rip off the band-aid for true healing to happen. And exactly. I'm, I'm never afraid of expressing my opinions and views. We're supposed to be protected by the First Amendment, first off. And if anyone does resents us for expressing ourselves, my opinion would be 
express your opinion. Don't hate me. Don't hate us. Yeah. Get your own opinions. Figure out your viewpoints. Don't hate, you know, love and, right. have, and have acceptance and open your mind and open your heart. That's and be what's curious. Be, be curious. curious. You actually have inspired me that when I'm around people that don't share my viewpoints, I'm going to try to be more curious. Yeah. Work on I'm- the curiosity. Curiosity is a superpower when it comes to navigating conversations with people. And if I find myself having stepped in it, or I realize like I made an assumption or I got reactive, I can backpedal into curiosity. And it's amazing how even retroactively curiosity can like really repair things. And also just the willingness to say, I'm sorry, I screwed up. Please forgive me. I made an assumption. I'm not treating you like a human being. No wonder you're not treating me like a human being. And even just saying, I sometimes I think too, owning that piece of ourselves that can just say, I'm imagining that you and I really want the same thing. We want our children to be healthy. We want clean, we want fresh, clean air and clear water. And we want enough to go around. Like, I believe that's what you want. And I want, we might believe that there's a different way to get there, but the bottom line is I believe that you and I both want the same thing. And I think if we can come to that, that look, we might think there's a different way to get it, but what if we just really focus on or talk about the fact that ultimately we want health and well-being for all of our loved ones? I I can't wait to work with you more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sharing our, our yeah, I'll call it the synchronicity. I'll call it whatever words you want to call it. The universe is linking us up for a reason. I have no doubt. And just the timing. Like I said, there's an absolute reason why the universe was like, you're going to talk now. Do I have <laughs> time to share one more piece? Because I, rem- I realized I didn't say something. Going back to that 2015, 2000, like the point where like if we did a flip, a pivot, it seems like from possibly like El Mundo Bueno or El Mundo Mild, at least to a little bit more intense. I had this revelation. I was like driving in my car and I suddenly was like, oh my God, both sides are absolutely terrified of the exact same thing. They just think the other side is responsible for it. That what is going on right now is that that when people are hijacked by fear, essentially the language is the same. They are afraid, like it's funny. It's like the conservatives are afraid that the queer brown skin people, transgendered queer brown skin people are going to basically create new world order where everybody loses their autonomy and you're everybody's going to be a sheeple. And the and then the liberals are looking at the world and saying, oh my God, if those conservatives get in control, then we're going to be back in Nazi Germany and the world is going to be run by fascists and we will lose our autonomy. But what both sides are terrified of is the loss of their truth, the loss of their perspective, the loss of their opinion, and the loss of their freedom. And I find it so fascinating that we're in this place where essentially the terror and the fear is identical identical. And years ago, I was working with, right after Obama became the president, I was facilitating a tapping session for a colleague who turned out to be one of those, like, interestingly, just like one of those people that really makes you go, because their heritage was Jewish. They were in the healthcare world and not a doctor, but in, in healthcare. But they were absolutely convinced that like the that having Obama as our president meant that there was going to be jackboots in the street and that everything was just going to go to hell in a handbasket. And as I started to work with him, I first was like reacting. I was like, oh, my God, you're fucking crazy. I'm just like, like I'm in my head and I'm just like, you've been watching way too much Fox News. (laughs) But then something inside of me softened. And I was like, this person is terrified. What if you sit with his fear instead of sit with his stories? Because the thing is, we go up into our head and we tell stories, we perseverate and we make shit up and we form conclusions about what's going to happen. But if we sink down into our heart and we acknowledge the grief, we acknowledge the fear, we acknowledge the anger, 
but we sit with the emotion. What amazingly happens is when we sit with that and we tap on it or do whatever work it is that allows us to let it untangle, miracles happen. And so while this man and I will probably never agree politically, I was able to help him to get relief from his terror. And as a result, he was able to get perspective. And by the end of the work we were doing, he was able to shift and go, maybe this is not what's happening right now. Maybe there's a possibility that I'm overreacting. Maybe it's possible that my my ancestors and my history of being Jewish is causing this fear, but maybe it's possible that things could go in a different way. And I always, for me, it's what I want to get out of is if I can get out of my own story, the perseverating, the mental story, all of that, that egoic like this is what's going to happen. I'm absolutely sure of it. If we can break out of that, but also not engage with it or not, and not enable it in somebody else, not get into their story, but instead get back to the heart. What's really going on here? Is this person scared? Is this person grieving? Is this person angry? What's really going on? And honor the feeling as opposed to the story. I couldn't say that better myself. I appreciate you sharing your perspective on the show today and bringing your gifts to the audience. I do want to ask you this because I am going to cut this because I want to do another episode in the future. Awesome. How can our audience find you? Nice and simple. <laughs> so I've got a system here. So the best way to find me is to jump on over to empathicmastery.com. But if you want to get a copy of the book, add the word book to that. So empathicmasterybook.com will take you to the book. And if you want to listen to my podcast, which is all about being highly sensitive and empathic, and you and I are already talking about bringing you on in season three, it is empathicmasteryshow.com. So empathicmastery.com, empathicmasterybook.com, and empathicmasteryshow.com. That will take you everywhere. And uh, I've got a free Facebook group where I teach masterclasses right before you and I jumped on. I did a two-hour masterclass on protection and on really being cultivating our the love in our energy body and cultivating light and love and re reinforcing our filters and shields. I do masterclasses every single month over there. So you can learn about that, all kinds of awesome stuff. And uh, I love your energy. Thank you. I love I yours love too. Your this was absolutely destined. Enthusiasm, your energy, and it's it's elevated my spirit today. And I, I think that's a blessing from my vantage. Ah, so, so good. I just want to thank Jennifer Moore for coming on the show today. What an amazing conversation with a, a beautiful human being who I feel gives us the insight and perspective we need at this moment in time. When you have somebody who can give us guidance on the turbulence and the political climate we've been in, and you can marry that to the spiritual realm, and that's what the show is all about. We got to be practical. We got to rely on our gifts. We got to look at our wisdom, and we've got to guide each other. And I think by coming together, that's the start. I've wondered the last several years, how do we get back from the abyss? I think we're doing it on our own right now, one conversation at a time. And over time, I believe very confidently that we will get past all these issues, at least a good part of them. I encourage everyone to check out Jen's website, empathicmastery.com. And I will have all this information in the show notes. I want to thank you for tuning in. The show will be going back on to the next season starting in January. Until then, stay positive because when you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind. Embrace your paradigms and know that the universe is always yours to explore. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. 
I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Cast. Electric Cast.